episode two of season two, Equity in Education. Uh, Mike, hey, how are you? I'm excited about this conversation we're having, and I'm so happy to have you with me to talk about this. I am so ready and so excited. This is something we have spent many, many hours discussing and living in our work together, so I'm very excited with today's topic. Yeah, so, so, you know, so often leaders have to think about how do we ensure that we are making uh, making it certain that every every employee or perhaps in a school setting, every student has the opportunity to be successful? How do we make things equitable? And often, you know, there's a lot of confusion around what's equal and what's equitable. So I wanted to start by us just talking about what's the difference between those two? Well, I think first, starting with equality, equality, that is treating everyone the same, regardless of where they start. Equity is giving everyone what they need to be successful. So equality, everyone gets treated the same, regardless of how they, they come to the table. Equity is ensuring that everyone has what they need to be successful. Hmm. So would it be um, appropriate to think about it in terms of perhaps a pair of shoes? So equality would be everyone having a pair of shoes and equity would be having a pair of shoes that actually fit. That's a great example, yes. Okay, that's interesting. So I've been reading a lot about that lately, and I was reading a particular article from Education Trust. Um, it's, 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 the, it's from the Education Trust website, and it's written by uh, Blair Mann, and it was a, an article written in March of 2014. And in this article, um, the author talks a lot about what the difference is, and I just want to read this portion so we can have some conversation around this. And she says that, you know, so often folks use the words equity and equality interchangeably, um, especially when they talk about education, but they're not interchangeable. And although similar, there's a difference like what we just talked about. Um, specifically, I'll, I'll just quote the article, should per student, student funding at every school be exactly the same? That's a question of equality. But should students who come from less get more in order to ensure they can catch up? That's a question of equity. Making sure all students have equal access to resources is an important goal. All students should have the resources necessary for a high quality education, but the truth remains that some students need more to get there. How do you think that plays out in our schools every day? Here, here's something that goes right along with that, Latoya. You know, we know in schools, students that are identified as having a special need will get special resources, extra attention to help with that need. That's ingrained in our culture. Students have IEPs. If they have a, uh, a deficit in writing, they get specialized writing instruction. If they um, have a learning disability in mathematics, they get specialized instruction. It could be pull-out instruction, extra services. That's ingrained in our culture. We do that. But what we don't do is take into consideration when students come to school 
hungry or when they are at home, uh, there's no parents available for whatever reason and they're raising a younger sibling. If they have challenges at home where they don't know where their parents are, they don't come home every night and they have these different things going on, for some reason, we have a hard time realizing we need to provide those students with extra resources to get them at a level playing field. So it's kind of intriguing when you think about it that way. Students with IEPs, that's ingrained in our culture. We want to provide them extra services, and we do, but we have this whole other uh, part of the population that have these these other struggles that are, uh, you know, that are impacting their education as well, but we struggle realizing the need or accepting the need that we need to give them more to get them to a level playing field. Oh, wow. I think you, you bring forth a, a couple of, of good points, but I want to highlight that what I heard you saying and all of that is that it's about the needs of the students and that equity is about meeting every student's needs and those needs can look different and that's why some students might get specialized instruction or additional resources or additional attention because they have a different need. Um, Jonathan Kozel is one of my favorite authors. He wrote the book Savage Inequalities Children in America Schools. If you have not read that book you must. Uh, But in it, he says, equity, after all, does not mean simply equal funding. Equal funding for unequal needs is not equality. Certainly. I I agree. And, you know, we've seen that. We've read about that. We've seen it in in action. And, uh, you know, there's just so many things I want to say right now. It's hard to focus my thoughts because... Uh, you know, we, we've lived this before, and a lot of times you look across the district, you know, the same district, the same uh, LEA, and there's vast differences from school to school to school. And even if the school, even if the schools within a district are funded the same, a lot of times um, purchases are made by the PTOs, the parent-teacher organizations that are able to raise a lot of money. So if you have a school in the same district that's more affluent, they may have a PTO that's raising $50,000, dollars $100,000 a year to purchase these extra resources for students, and you have a school on the other side of town that maybe has a PTO with only a couple parents or uh, maybe even more parents but not of the means to give a lot of money, they're not able to purchase those same services. So even when the district funds the schools the same, a lot of times there's inequality built in because of what the parents can raise for the school. Absolutely. And that becomes an issue of access. So when that happens, access looks different in different uh, environments. So I like to tell folks sometimes, and Mike, you you know my story, you know me very well, uh, and you know how I grew up. But people will ask me sometimes when I say, you know, my sisters and I grew up in poverty. We were raised by a single parent in government housing. I was a recipient of free lunch every year of my K-12 schooling. Sometimes I will say to folks when they ask, well, what was the difference? Um, They sometimes want to boil it down to uh, parenting. You had a great mother who really cared. I like to boil it down to a number of different things that occurred that helped me be successful. My mother, certainly. Uh, but I don't ever like to forget that there were some excellent teachers along the way and some educational opportunities and access to things that changed the trajectory of our lives. So the best way I could put that in, in real terms for folks is to think of it this way. So when I was in third grade, I had 
a great third grade teacher, Janet West, who I still keep in touch with. And she sent me to a writer's conference at the local university. It's Winthrop University now. It was once Winthrop College. At that moment, I decided, hey, maybe I'm good at writing. I became an English teacher. My oldest sister was a member of orchestra and she um, started playing the violin when she was in fourth grade. Well, when she got to seventh grade, the schedule at that time the orchestra program was very small and the schedule that she had because she was in certain level a certain level of courses meant that she needed to get to another middle school to take orchestra well her orchestra teacher would take her and bring her back to her home school each day so she gave her access to orchestra and furthermore when she went to a regional orchestra competition in ninth grade, they visited Clemson University for that regional orchestra competition. And she came home and said, hey, mom, that's a beautiful campus. That's where I'm going to college. And so she did. And so did my sister Elisa. And so did I. My sister Elisa, when she was in 10th grade, one of her teachers said, hey, I heard about this engineering camp at Virginia Tech. I think you should should go. Let's look at signing you up for this and getting you in. And so my mother found a way to get her in at the suggestion of a teacher. So I like to remind people that we had our needs met, but we also had access to very important opportunities. And I should say, Elisa is now an engineer. Uh, that's what she does for a living. She's been an engineer over 20 years. But those opportunities and that access made a difference in changing the trajectory of our lives. And, and, and that's wonderful stories. I, I love those. And um, I, I'm just I'm blown away every time I hear you say that, even though I've heard that you know story many, many times. Here's something to consider. You, know, you happen to have those great teachers. Your mom is awesome. But I, I wonder, I, wouldn't it be great if as a school system, as a state, as a country, we provided that for all of the students in all of the schools that need that extra push? You know, we, we kind of take for granted having a teacher here, a teacher there, a principal there that's going to go that extra mile. And that's awesome. That's phenomenal. I, you know, uh, that's wonderful that some people do that. But there's a lot of students that don't have that. So I wish we would be able to develop a system that would make that the norm rather than the exception where we have processes in place and programs in place for all of our students. You know, let's why I think about all the extra things we tried to do at Knox, the last school, high poverty school we were at, um, taking students to college campuses, getting them out to restaurants, showing them how, um, you know, a business dinner may look and uh, taking them to cultural events. So we were able to get some sponsors and some, some private funding to do those. But that wasn't happening at every high-need school. So I wish, I know we both wish, there was a way where schools were structured where all students in need had those extra opportunities. Some students, they go to a college to visit their sibling or they go to visit a college in the summer. They don't necessarily need those steps. I don't think we should prevent that from happening. But for our students that will never have that opportunity in their private life, I wish we had a way in schools to help ensure it happens for all those students. I think you're right, and I think that that's possible. I think what it requires is courage to talk about the consequences of inequity. What are the consequences when we don't present children with equitable opportunities, equitable access to things that could help them change the trajectory of their lives? And specifically, uh, Mike, I'm thinking about how do you think this plays out in high-poverty schools? How does this impact teacher retention and recruitment where we know it's most challenging to find and keep teachers? I think a lot of times when you have a school with um, 
a, a majority of your population of students that are facing all kinds of difficulties that impact their performance, whether it being hunger, having um, incarcerated parents, maybe having, uh, you know, maybe a single family home where the, the mother or the father is working multiple jobs. They're not always there to be able to um, provide that direct support on a daily basis. So all these challenges that we know students have. When, they, when students that are facing those challenges are concentrated in one school, say, for example, a lot of times the behaviors that manifest make it really challenging to work in those schools. You know, we talked about, and you mentioned some of your teachers, and, you know, we know from, from our experiences together, a lot of the teachers at those schools are pouring their hearts and their souls into it, taking them, um, you know, to the other school to take orchestra or to a, a college or a cultural event. That really drains people, and that makes it hard to work at a school that has those needs. Now, it's very rewarding. You know, I don't think we would we would trade our experience at Knox for anything in the world, but it's really hard to work in a school over time when there's that many needs. I agree. And I think at some point, educators have to begin to advocate for what those things look like in the practical day-to-day reality of teaching and learning. You know, it's nice for us to talk about equity and access, and it's nice for us to talk about what implications we think that has on teacher recruitment and retention, on student achievement. But at some point, educators have to be courageous enough to say, we've got to do what it takes to meet the needs of all students. Obviously, Mike, this is a topic that's way too deep and complex to, uh, to, to just make just one episode. So I'm excited to tell folks we're going to continue the conversation, equity in education, past today's episode. We hope you'll continue listening. We've got lots of great things planned. We're going to be talking about this particular topic in a, a number of different ways and looking at it through a number of different lenses. But I think it's because we believe that there are um, some great opportunities for educators and for leaders all around to discuss why it's important for us to address equity and what those consequences might be if we fail to do so. Certainly. And Latoya, I also want to mention to our listeners, we're going to talk a little bit about our relationship between each other and how we've used that to model things for other people who may not always, you know, have, I don't know, an open mind or a, a, a view of the world like we've been able to develop from our close friendship. We're both from very different backgrounds. Uh, we're different people, but we have learned so much from each other and grown so much from each other. And I really want to make sure we talk about that because I think that will help with this issue as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I am uh, more than uh, willing to share what our friendship has has done for us and also how it's been a model for others. Um, I'm excited to share that. We want to remind folks we've got a special feature coming real soon. I know we said that on the last episode, but we're putting the final touches on that piece. It'll be released real soon. We hope that you will go check out our website. It's leadershipwithlatoya.org. If you're not following us on Twitter, you can find me at Latoya Dixon. D-I-X-O-N, all one word, no spaces, the number five. And you can find Mike at? At M Wakesness. That's M-W-A-I-K-S-N-I-S. We want to invite you to join the conversation with us. Check out what we're doing with the Images of Ed hashtag. It's time for educators to tell their own stories. It's time for us to advocate for our profession. And let's do it now. Until next time, folks, be you, be true, be a hope builder. This is Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Grow.